You're listening to episode 173 of the Mad Chatters podcast, January 24th, 2018. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> <laughs> there and welcome back to another episode of the mad chatters podcast your very important date with the happenings at walt disney world and around the disney universe i'm derek and i'm joined today by my co-host matthew hey howdy hey and jeremy if i only had a brain on today's show, we're going to have a mad cue party, one of our favorite segments, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But first, we're going to take a peek behind the magic. Behind the magic. Behind the magic is a segment in which we take a look at one specific area or attraction at Walt Disney World, and we we share some of our favorite details, and we just discuss why why it's there, basically, and uh, we we hopefully give our listeners a better idea of what to appreciate the next time they are in these areas or on these attractions. And for this segment, we are going to look at a an area of Hollywood Studios that was added back in 1994. We're going to look at Sunset Boulevard. Now, Matt, I'm going to throw it over to you to uh, to get us started with some history here. Throw it. Yeah, Sunset, <laughs> Sunset Boulevard was uh, the largest expansion, uh, other than obviously a, a new theme park, um, the largest expansion in Walt Disney World history to that to that point. And we've talked a lot about the mid to late 90s in Walt Disney World and um, bringing in some more thrill type attractions and that's what this was in preparation for the coming of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror uh, Walt Disney Imagineering developed this entire almost like a little mini land that surrounded and told the story of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror or as the building itself is called the, the Hollywood Tower Hotel uh, up until this point, once you pass what is now the the, the trolley train station thing where Starbucks is, um, that street that obviously you turn right to go down to Sunset Boulevard was just a dead end. There was nothing there. Uh, with the opening of Beauty and the Beast live on stage, there was a, a large amphitheater um, built there, which was where, where that attraction originally was. That show originally was there. But the, the street as we know it wasn't. So leading up to 94 and the opening of the, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, uh, Sunset Boulevard opened. And as you can guess by the name, it's modeled after the actual Sunset Boulevard um, in Hollywood, albeit themed to the 30s and the 40s. So very, very uh, the swing music, big band music playing, the old um, the facades of all the like the Carthay Circle Theater. Um, but it also had this back lot. Um, vibe to it, kind of like a studio, like a, as the the theme was, a working studio where people go to work and also to eat. So the the um, sunset is it called Sunset Fair? 
Sunset Ranch. Sunset Ranch. Um, to your left was an outdoor food court that very much felt like it could be kind of on the on the the back lot of some working studio where people went to eat lunch and grab a bite to eat between you know filming and, and things like that so uh all of this of course leading down to the the hollywood tower of uh, the hollywood tower hotel the twilight zone tower of terror which was itself the focal point at the end uh end of the whole thing a star in its own right a star in its own right yeah, uh, I, I read one website that I'd, I'd never thought of this, but they refer to Hollywood Boulevard, which is basically like the main street of Hollywood Studios. They refer to that as the theater, as the business district. And then Sunset Boulevard is the theater district, which kind of makes sense because when you turn the corner there on your left is a facade that's supposed to look like a theater, the Sunset Beverly Mm-hmm. Or Beverly Sunset. And then on your right is that basically Star Wars store, but it also has the marquee that's supposed to look like a theater. So it's almost like these gates that you pass through theater on your left, theater on your right. And then, like you said, the end of the street is the Carthay Circle Theater. So I'd never thought of it like that, but it's kind of true. And the two largest theaters uh, on Disney property, that being the, the Hollywood Hills Amphitheater, which is that that's where phantasmic is correct the hollywood hills amphitheater and then uh, whatever they call the one for 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 beauty and the beast yeah theater of the stars which is theater of the stars. which is uh, built to resemble the hollywood bowl yeah so, yeah good call so uh, I, i'm glad you said that because i was going to bring up like I, it's interesting that they chose to go with this theme and this vibe for the street Seeing as Hollywood Boulevard really already kind of did the same thing, but now you bring out that little nuance there, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, Yesterland.com has a really great series of articles where they look at every single facade on Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset Boulevard, and they mention the specific building in either present-day Hollywood or the past because it's since been torn down. But they show a picture of every building that those buildings were modeled after. Yeah, And it's really cool because, I mean, they had to have been specifically modeled after these buildings because they are spitting images. Like, um, for instance, that the Sunset Ranch Market, actually, the one you mentioned, is actually modeled after a Los Angeles farmer's market. And there's a picture and you can totally see it. Of course, Carthay Circle Theater is modeled after the real Carthay Circle Theater, which is where Snow White debuted. It's since been torn down. Um, but yeah, every single building, that Legends of Hollywood where the Star Wars stuff is, that was modeled after the Academy Theater in Inglewood. It's pretty cool. That one gym, uh, it looks like a gym. You know what I'm talking about? That one Art Deco. <laughs> it's by Villains in Vogue. I thought you were joking. Oh, no. Yes. It, <laughs> no, I know it exactly. It really is. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm saying it's like a spitting image, though, of the building that it's modeled after. And it's one of those, like, art decos that you're, like, subconsciously, you're like, I've seen this in, like, a movie before or, yeah. you know, something like that. And then when you see the picture, you're like, oh, my gosh, yes, that is exactly it. Yeah, it's cool. So we've had this talk on this uh, our show before. Is Sunset Boulevard, are, are you stepping into the 30s and 40s or are you stepping into what is left over from the 30s and 40s or are you stepping into a movie set that is themed to the 30s and 40s see i don't think it's themed to the 30s and 40s at all because all those buildings are like they're all like 
Well, I mean, they're all like Art Deco buildings, which is a more modern. Oh, that's the 30s and 40s. I mean, Snow White premiered in Carthay Circle Theater. Yeah, but I, I think it's modern day because then the Tower of Terror at the end is is in its what well, my imagination is in its modern day form because it's the abandoned. Well, and therein lies the controversy. And then you got G Force Records there at the, at the at the end. Yeah. So here's my stance on it. Because the last time we talked about this, Jeremy kind of blew my mind by saying it's not the 30s and 40s. And I get what he's saying, because what's the quote about the Hollywood that never was and always will be? Like, it's almost like they tried to create a kind of timeless Hollywood that could fit in any decade because it's almost like a fantasy version of Hollywood. But then at the same time, I mean, all the buildings are styled after that time period. The music we just talked about last week is specifically songs from the 30s and 40s. The citizens of Hollywood are clearly dressed as if they, they're living in the 30s and 40s. So I don't know what to think. See, Art I think Deco it's like, was it's... the original architecture of Hollywood in the, the teens and the 20s. It, it didn't become an Americanized, like widespread cultural thing till the 40s and 50s. But that was that's that's original Hollywood, 20s, See, 30s. To me, though, I understand what you're saying. I, I'll accept that. But to me, what it feels like is these buildings are still standing from that time period. And then you have modern elements that are creeping in as well, such as the, oh, somebody bought the lot down and put in this record studio down around the corner. And, oh, there's this deteriorating hotel oh, that's oh, been yeah. there for forever, you know, at the end of the block. So the only thing that throws a wrench in that is the Carthay uh, Circle Theater subbing around and, and maybe the Hollywood uh, der- or the Brown Derby. But other than those two elements that are not existing in modern times, there it really could be like a modern street with a touch of nostalgia. Yeah. The thing about Sunset Boulevard is that the details and the music and everything is just so good that you don't concern yourself with stuff like that while you're there. You know? True. What are some of your favorite details on Sunset Boulevard. You know, I've always had a soft spot for the Sunset Ranch uh, market. I I know it's outside, and I'm not typically like a, hey, let's eat outside kind of person, even if it's quick service. And, and the food's not the best, but it's, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's just, the, it's just the setting. And I don't know, something about Sunset Ranch just relaxes you. Even just, you know, thinking thinking of the name. I kind of just like the setting. Like, you're, you're there and like, like you said, like an actual produce market out out on the streets of Los Angeles somewhere back in the day. Um, I, I really like that whole that whole area. One of the details I like is how there's movie props in the shops that are very easily overlooked unless you seek them out or accidentally stumble upon them. But you know, most places you go, movie props would be like, "Oh, come look at this. They're over here." But these are just kind of subtly there and just you be you in looking at sweatshirts and all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh that's the helmet from the power ranger movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah of all movies (laughs) i love the planet hollywood store oh (laughs) i personally have never understood why anyone would go to a theme park and not planet hollywood and buy planet hollywood merchandise but apparently people do because it's there and stuff is sold uh yeah, that's weird. I do like the store next to it, the Mouse About Town store, where the Mickey has his cane, and it's, like, bouncing up and down. Like, he's swinging it. I like that little detail. But, yeah, when, some of my favorite pictures are just the viewpoint down Sunset Boulevard because those tall palm trees that are so 
typical of like Beverly Hills or Hollywood. Yeah. They 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 almost frame the Tower of Terror at the end of the street. I love that view, especially on a sunny day, because again, that's very LA. When it's overcast, you're like, wait, this is Orlando. This isn't Hollywood. But on a sunny day, those trees, boom, they're golden. I love them. It's a beautiful area. It's a shame that, uh, I don't know what they would do otherwise. It's a, it's a shame that all those beautiful facades and the, and the buildings and what they represent are are nothing more than, than differently themed merchandise locations. Uh, it seemed, it just seems such a waste that all, you know, all of Hollywood Boulevard and then all of that right-hand side of Sunset Boulevard is, is nothing but stores. It's like, you just put all your stuff in one store and let's do some other things uh, down there. I mean, the Carthay Circle restaurant comes to mind. That's a wonderful idea. Not that it would fit in that building as is, but something like that would be far better, I think, than just a generic Disney merchandise location. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I, I was just about to say that Buena Vista Street and Hollywoodland in Disney California Adventure, I feel like kind of corrected a few things that were missed opportunities at Hollywood Studios. For yeah. instance, the Carthay Circle the Circle Theater is a restaurant. And then it has that working trolley that goes from Buena Vista Street to the end of Hollywood Land. And in Hollywood Studios, all we get is that little merchandise kiosk that looks like a trolley. Like you couldn't even put fake trolley cables above you that really look like there's a trolley there. Mm. It's a shame. People that, want that central street view of the Tower of Terror. And that's not in modern Hollywood, which is why it's not there. Ah, there oh, you go. Stop. I, I just think that would be maybe not easy, but I, I feel like that should have been a no brainer when they built this is to have a working trolley. But I really think the whole area is supposed to be maybe subtly, and it would be something to ask. Um, interesting to talk to some of the original Imagineers and, and what they had in mind. Certainly the whole street is not run down like the Hollywood Tower Hotel is and not abandoned and left uncared for. But certainly if you put it in within the lens of the Hollywood Tower Hotel, then you could almost get a certain kind of creepy is not the right word. E eerie nostalgia as you walk down the road heading towards the Tower of Terror, and obviously I think everything about this uh, points you to the Tower of Terror, and so I think that might have been a little intentional. Yeah. One of my favorite new additions to this area is one of the billboards. So the, they change out the billboards, you know, on occasion, but there's a new one when you're walking away from the Tower of Terror back towards Hollywood Boulevard, up on your right-hand side, kind of above Sunset Ranch Market, there's an old billboard for Paradise Pier. And it's like it's like an old drawing, you know. It's not a photograph billboard. It's an old drawing of people at the turn of the century standing on the pier with basically California screaming behind them. Uh, there's basically the Zephyr behind them. I, it looks like an exact replica of Paradise Pier in Disney California Adventure. So they're basically trolling them because Paradise Pier is gone now. But I'm like, what? That's so random. Why would they advertise that here? Disney likes to rub salt in the wound every now and then. <laughs> That's exactly what it feels like. You fanboys. But that just goes to further show that it's modern Hollywood because when did California Adventure open and, uh, and Paradise Pier open? Like 2001? Well, to be fair, I don't think it's advertising the DCA version, but 
anyway. It's, it's weird. No one asked you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't even talked about this area at night, which is when it really comes alive. Yeah, and you mentioned the the palm trees earlier, which are, are beautiful, but I think at night they, they really obviously have a, a little bit of extra life in them because of the the lights. So it's simple, you know, in-ground lights that shine light up on the trees. Um, but that, you know, highlights it in a magical way. And then you have contrasted against uh, all of that, the, the darkness of the Tower of Terror. And all you can really see, and really almost in a ghost-like fashion, all you can see of the building um, really clearly is the broken kind of shattered sign this is the Hollywood Tower Hotel and the occasional lights in the shaft, which I think are, um, I think the obtrusiveness of them is excused by the eeriness they add when you kind of see them from down the, down the street as the lights, you know, the kind of like a, kind of like the, you ever heard of the lights of Brown Mountain in North Carolina? No. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of that, like ghost lights in the shaft, like this is supposed to be an abandoned hotel, but the the elevators operating on its own. And I think it adds that, that nice vibe to it at the end of the street. Hmm. Well, I mean the whole, the whole hotel is not black. I mean, it's like, it's like a eerie blue. Yeah. But it's, it's not like lit up either. Right. 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 It's almost black light. Like, you know, yeah. UV lighting where it's just a subtle bluish purple glow. Yeah, it is. And then that's not even to mention all the great neon lighting that's on the storefronts. So, there you go, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, like you said, the biggest you, you said is the first big expansion to a park, which makes sense. Uh, full of great details, should not be missed. Obviously, people walk down it all the time because two of the most popular attractions are at the end of it. Uh, but take the time to look around you next time you walk down Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, that's seventy-five percent of the park is down. <laughs> <laughs> My Magic Plus now lets you plan your whole day. Set wake-up notifications, set a shower start time, choose your water temperature, have breakfast delivered right to your room, then you plan 8 to 10 attractions to experience during the day. Reserve your lunch and dinner locations. You can even sync up your pee and poo times in relation to your dining reservations. Now you can even sync your menstrual cycle. It's all safe to your Mickey badge embedded right under your skin. In the year 2071. After the Russians have invaded and taken over the U.S., the Hall of Presidents has been cleared out and now honors the great leaders in Russian history. The only U.S. president that's allowed to stay is the Trump audio animatronic, which sits on the lap of a shirtless Putin audio animatronic. <laughs> on a horse. In the year 2071. After years of complaints that Galaxy's Edge no longer fits at Disney XL Park, formerly Hollywood Studios, 
Disney has finally announced plans to move the attractions and the dining locations that are currently in Galaxy's Edge and divide them between Walt Disney World's 5th and 6th parks, Disney's Jedi Adventure, and Porg Province. In the year 2071. Moving sidewalks take you everywhere you want to go. Oddly enough, electric scooters are still in high demand, as the average American hasn't walked or stood in 20 years. <laughs> wow. Wally. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. In the year 2071. Uh, Star Wars Episode 157 has been released <laughs> into theaters. It is the story about the love child of uh, Chewie and BB-8. And it stars Danielle Bregoli. <laughs> it's that. The Cash Me Outside girl. How about that? Oh. <laughs> in the year 2071. The fence in front of the train station at the Magic Kingdom is the latest Walt Disney World structure to be scaled and climbed over by a guest. After the man was almost struck by the railroad, sharp spikes were added to the fence and the Mickey floral was switched out with a floral arrangement that now spells out the words, no climbing, please. This is yet another safety precaution that has been added to the parks after the most recent additions of the no climbing posters on Cinderella Castle and the fiberglass wall that was built around the floating mountains. In the year 2071. The Hall of Presidents has been converted to an Oprah-themed show since she won the presidency in 2020. The show changes daily as a random selection of presidents join the panel and discuss their political differences. Rumor is that things might get really interesting as Jerry Springer is the favorite to win in 2072. He old. He's got <laughs> you medical advances, you know. Mm-hmm. In the year 2071. There's still daily rumors, but nothing confirmed about the future of Stitch's Great Escape. <laughs> In the year 2071. Walt Disney World is celebrating the 50th anniversary of Zootopia, the themed land at Animal Kingdom, by selling retro merchandise that looks back at the long-forgotten original theme of that area, Pandora, the world of Avatar. Exhibits throughout the land will showcase photos and fun facts from the short-lived Pandora, which was themed to a movie franchise that failed to take off after its first sequel bombed with critics and the general public. In the year 2071. Deep in the bowels of the Utilidors, way under the castle, John Lasseter's frozen arms are now cradling Walt Disney's frozen head for all eternity. He's just a hugger, folks. It's time once again for one of our favorite segments, a mad Q party. For this episode, we have compiled 10 off-the-wall hypothetical questions related to the Disney universe, and we're going to have some fun sharing our answers with one another. And for this Mad Q Party, we're joined by a special guest. You might know him as Walt Frozenhead on Twitter. 
Welcome back to the show, Ben Lancaster. Thank you guys very much for having me. Well, we're excited for you to join us, not only because of the Mad Q Party, but we also have some questions we want answered. So if you've been a longtime listener of our show, you might remember that Ben joined us over a year ago to discuss his film, The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head, which was filmed inside Walt Disney World, and I believe at the time was in the editing stages. So Ben, for anyone who didn't listen to the episode, why don't you remind us what the film is and then fill us in on where it's at in the process now. Uh, the film is an indie comedy called The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head. Uh, about 20 minutes of the 80-minute film were shot inside of Walt Disney World um, without Disney's permission. And uh, the premise of the film is that uh, Walt's head is thawed every year to give advice on the company going forward. And one year, he decides to go up and see the park that he's never been allowed up to go and see. And in order to do that, he convinces a low-level employee to kidnap him and uh, take him for a day in the park without the uh, permission of the uh, powers that be. So it's a documentary. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm excited about this movie, and it seems to be getting a lot of uh, national attention, even outside the Disney community. I think I saw you were interviewed recently for, like, um, the Sci-Fi Channel. Was that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. So uh, we were on Sci-Fi, we were on Slash Film and uh, several other uh, kind of prominent, both internet and sort of new media outlets um, have been uh, talking about the story because let's face it, it makes a good headline, right? Yeah. Now, recently you released the first trailer. What kind of response did you get after that? Uh, it's been you know overwhelmingly positive. A lot of people seem to be really excited about it, which is great because we're really excited about sharing it with people. And when can we expect it to, to come out? Is it soon? Sooner than uh, later? Sooner than later would be fantastic. Uh, right now we are in consideration at several film festivals. And the way it works on this kind of our level of, of the circuit is we're waiting for somebody to accept us and that will be our official premiere. Um, and at that point, that will determine the rest of our schedule. Um, you know, eventually we want to do, we want to be in a theater near you, whether that's a, in a film festival or sort of a very small theatrical run. Um, but then also uh, streaming at um, some various services is definitely on the table. So, uh, you know, the timeline of that is dependent on, on who accepts us, but it'll definitely be, uh, it'll hopefully be sometime this year. I can't say definitely, definitely, but uh, so, hopefully this spring or early summer sometime. So as you sit right now, the film is complete. Like it is done, just ready for, for that next step. Um, a film's never done. A film's only abandoned. <laughs> well, you, you know, it, it's ready for public consumption, at least. Uh, we are, we're, we're sitting on some final tweaks. Um, the film's fully edited. The film's fully scored. The film's uh, visual effects are at, at 98%, somewhere around there. Um, we're, doing, we're doing a lot of tweaks around the edges, though, and just lots of spit and polish to make sure it's absolutely perfect. That's so exciting. I mean, when did you start this project? Oh, gosh. Um, 2000. Well, we filmed in summer of 2015. So uh, it, it'll be three years between the time of sort of initial photography and the time we are um, do get released. But, uh, you know, writing started really a year before that and pre-production. So it's it's going on four years at this point. Wow, that's got to be so exciting to have your piece of art, which has been gestating for, you know, four years and probably even longer than that in your mind. And now here it's about to come to fruition. It really is. It really is. I'm really excited for people to see it and start getting it out there. 
Now, just a reminder to some people who didn't listen last time, I remember one of the most exciting pieces of news you shared with us was that uh, the person playing Walt Disney is none other than Ron Schneider, who uh, voiced Dreamfinder back in the day, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, he was. So he did. He didn't do all of the the voice on the ride. He did some of the sort of pickups for that. But then he was the uh, originator of the walk around character and did all of the original television appearances for the character. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So a Disney legend in his own right. Yes. If not necessarily recognized by the company. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and definitely won't be after this. No. <laughs> probably, probably. No, uh, he says he lost his chance when his book came out, um, which is an excellent read and uh, maybe a little more critical of the company than uh, than you know most Disney Legends books would be. I would say mm. not, not 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 a bash, but uh, it's called from Dreamer to uh, from Dreamer to Dreamfinder, and it talks about his because uh, he also works for Universal Studios. Um, he was the entertainment coordinator there. Uh, you know, I don't. Did any of you guys go to Universal back in the early days when they used to have uh, the Marx Brothers and Charlie Chaplin and uh, old film stars wandering around who would interact with people? Uh, I went. I do not remember that, but I was like yeah. five. <laughs> no, their their street and sphere really kind of paved the way for a lot of stuff in a really cool way, and Ron was integral to all of that. Hmm. Cool. Well, the books that Disney does not approve of are usually the ones that the fans want to read the most. So <laughs> that is true. Dying to pick that one up. All right. Well, if it's OK with you guys, if you're ready, let's get started with this week's Mad Q Party. Ben, as our honored guest, would you like to read the first question? Sure. Uh, first, who would you like to see perform at next year's Festival of the Arts? Can I start? Because I have the most boring answer. <laughs> yes. It is uh, someone not Broadway. I, I don't. I don't. I don't even know where to start because it's all Broadway people, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. not a Broadway person, and so I'm. It doesn't appeal to me. So I don't know. Something else besides that would be nice. You know, something maybe I don't know artistic. Oh. 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 How dare you? I know. I know you are going to make up for it, though, so let's hear it. <laughs> well, maybe by year three, they'll start thinking outside the box. So, Well, who's and your maybe... pick? Because I, I, I distinctly said no Sandy Patty can be picked. Oh, no. My, my, broad, my pick is someone not Broadway. I, I don't really care who it is. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you're so generic. <laughs> you didn't even pick anyone? I don't. I, I mean, do I have to? Do I have to pick someone other than okay? Um, I mean, that is literally the question. <laughs> well, I would be I would be happy with someone that's not on Broadway. I don't care really who it is. Um, someone that I personally am interested in in seeing because um, it's a question for me, right? You must be fun at parties. I am a blast. <laughs> um, I don't know. Bring let's uh, bring Alton Brown. Alton Brown do a show. I'll come. I'll come see Alton Brown do something. The guy who cooks, his shows sell. I think he's too big though. I, his shows sell out, see? like large auditoriums. He's a big deal. I come his, see him. It, the, there was like it was fifty dollar tickets to go see him the other day. I, I looked at it. It's just the things that I would come see, like that deal with the arts. Nobody else would come see. So, but you know what? A cooking demonstration on that stage kind of makes sense, especially something like that. I yeah. think that would be entertaining, edutainment. All right, I'll allow it. I like it. Well, I appreciate it. 
<laughs> okay, well, my answer is more Broadway focused, and I'm afraid Jeremy and I have the same answer, but this is hands down the person I would most want to see. Jeremy Jordan from Newsies. Oh, yeah. He's not on my list, wow. but I agree with that. I mean, the dude, the tone of this guy's voice, I just, I could listen to it all day. He's fantastic. And if I could hear him sing Santa Fe from Newsies, I'd be a happy guy. Well, uh, my answer is um, the Muppets from the Hollywood Bowl show that they did. I want to see the art of puppetry. Yes. And, and uh, did you guys see the clips that surfaced from the Hollywood Bowl show with the Muppets? Yes. And John Stamos? Uh, they had a few guest stars. I can't remember who all it was, but like you could see the, the performers underneath. They didn't necessarily try and hide them all the time. And, uh, you know, they were singing sort of their greatest hits and had a lot of walk on guest stars and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh. You know what would be cool? Speaking of that, do you remember back in uh, when they honored Jim Henson as a Disney legend? What was that, like 2015 or whatever? They did that one demonstration with, um, I guess it was Brian Henson or whatever, and they did like the original, like one of the first things that Jim Henson put out on uh, TV back in the 50s. Do y'all remember this? But they did it without... You could see the puppeteers while they performed it. Oh. So you kind of saw like the art behind how the puppeteers moved the Muppets above the, you know, it was kind of like a peek behind the curtain. That would be kind of a cool thing to see. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I was wrong. It was not John Samos. It was Bobby Moynihan was the host of that show. I remember that now. Oh, I, yeah, get the I, I didn't think it was Samos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moynihan. I uh, yeah, I think John Stamos was in that Little Mermaid thing, and I was getting those confused. But anyway, that would be great. Well, they look very similar, so I could see how you get <laughs> very, very similar body types. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, my picks are um, just some Broadway stars that I love that I would love to see, like Patina Miller, who Derek and I saw in Sister Act, and then she was in uh, Pippin as well, and now she's on that one CBS show that was really boring. Um Madam Secretary, that was it. Uh -huh. and, uh, and this one is more Disney Broadway related, which I think is kind of what they go for. Uh, Sierra Renee, who was Esmeralda in the Hunchback of Notre Dame oh. uh, musical. And so that soundtrack that they released, uh, she's Esmeralda on there. She was also in Jesus Christ Superstar at the Muni this past uh, summer in St. Louis. And I fell in love with her there. She's amazing. And of course, I mean, what would I, what would a Jeremy answer be about Broadway without talking about my favorite performer? And that is Nathan Lane. I think Nathan Lane at Epcot would just be. I would come. I'd go Nathan see Lane. Nathan Lane. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? It's like, eight Broadway stars that no one's ever heard of and then Nathan Lane. Like, of course, that is, those shows are going to be packed out. Question number two. What's an element from an extinct attraction that you'd like to see make a return in some form, much like Rex is being added to Galaxy's Edge? Derek. Okay, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but Ellen's Energy Adventure went away last year and those dinosaurs, I mean, are we never going to see them again? I don't know. But I think you could add a Disneyland-style primeval world inside the new Tron coaster 
because mm. that's kind of indoors and it's going to be right there in Tomorrowland over the railroad. Like they've shown concept art and it's it goes over the railroad. Add those dinosaurs in there. Create a primeval world scene. Boom. Disneyland in Walt Disney World now. I think that's a great idea. Said this. Well, that's what I. That's how I started the answer, Matt. I said we've already said this. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but my second answer is bring back Animation Academy. Hollywood Studios needs that. Where you draw characters. You knock yourself out. I will. You go ride Toy Story Mania. Wait in line there for an hour while I draw a few characters. If it's going to keep the studio's title, then yes, it needs that. But if it's going to drop the studio's title, then eh, probably not. It's going to be Fox Studios now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, California Adventure has it. That doesn't have studios in the name. But it's in, it's in Hollywood land. So it's in Hollywood land inside California Adventure. Mm. Boom. Okay, but the park is literally called Hollywood Studios. So that, <laughs> so that still fits. I qualified yeah. my answer. Uh, my answer, though, for this question, Atori, is... Uh, when I rode the Frozen attraction in Norway, I was disappointed that they didn't keep at least one polar bear in there. So I want a polar bear in in the Frozen. It's just oh. a little nod, you know? And, and we know they still have them because they uh, pulled them out for the D23 event, didn't they? Oh, maybe you're right. I saw some photos of that polar Those bear. Those tall, skinny polar bears. Yeah, yeah, animatronic is a, uh, it may be an overstatement of what yeah. those are. I think they just <laughs> move but their how arms funny back would be, and forth. Like, put a little, um, at the very end there, where, you know, whatever, and put um, one of those polar bears with a carrot in its mouth and Olaf, like, standing there, noseless. That's comedy. That's good. It is kind of a shame, though, because the Frozen audio animatronics are so... I mean, they're just good. Like, they're top-notch. Yeah. And I think the polar bears or the trolls, for instance, would stick out like a sore thumb. They're polar bears in Scandinavia. Yeah, they're, they were in the original Norway ride. They can't add something that's not in Scandinavia to the original Norway that's ride. That's true. What about in Arendelle? <laughs> I, I believe so. I, I, I will, I will double-check the facts, but I'm pretty sure. Mine is, uh, coincidentally, because I, I seriously did write this down just this morning, um, is Dreamfinder's Blimp from Journey into Imagination. And I don't know what the thing, I forgot what it's called, if it even has a name, but if they redo that attraction or in the future when Future World gets kind of updated and maybe the pavilions get some, you know, a much needed facelift, I would love to see this this uh blimp and and maybe they could update it some you know give it more of a, a modern-y kind of steampunk uh vibe i would love to see that that make its way somewhere back in the attraction yeah you know they have it in inside mouse gear you know in that in that one room when you look up the flying machine is there but it's such a it's such a small thing and, and people don't even notice it no my answer is also from classic Epcot, but do any of you guys remember the show Robot and Bird? No. At the end, in World of Motion, when you came out, you know, into the into the pavilion area, they had a lot of little things, and one of the things was a walk-up show that played, like, every 15 minutes on cycle that was Robot and Bird. And it was Robot, who was like a robot that puts cars together, and then Bird, who was like a tiki, tiki room bird with a cigar in its mouth 
That was kind of this wisecracking. Uh, it was fantastic. Look it up on YouTube if you've not seen it. And I well, just they, want, oh, I just I want Robot and Bird to by, like, be wheeled around Epcot and do little pop-up shows. <laughs> well, they clearly spent a lot of money and time and effort on the title of that show. It was, <laughs> it was so good. Because Robot was like silent, you know, because it's, it's literally the arm that puts cars together. And it would kind of nod and like, but it would hold up signs that made fun of Bird, and Bird would get angry, and it was a great show. Interesting. You know, Disney has a pretty good history of putting elements like that in attractions. Like, for instance, the hag in the Snow White Scary Adventures was brought back for the mine train, and like we said, they're bringing back Rex. So I am kind of surprised that thing, things like the Dreamfinder have just completely disappeared. Or or Maelstrom. I mean, Mael, uh Frozen Ever After added that one tapestry with pictures of the trolls, but other than that, it's just yeah. gone. I think the uh, Dreamfinder is now the uh, Trump AA, actually. <laughs> oh, uh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> I read that. In, I read that in Lou Mangiello's book. Uh, <laughs> I would love it if you came down the waterfall on the Frozen ride, um, the flume, and it was still the oil rig scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just randomly. <laughs> They need oil in Arendelle, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Number three. What kind of ride malfunction can you imagine happening that would scare you even more than an opened monorail door? <laughs> this is hard because, like, that's pretty much the scariest thing. <laughs> is it, though? I don't know. You could just sit down. <laughs> yeah. There's, you have a little bit of control over what's happening in that mountain. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, okay. I've just been too close to a stro- with a stroller to that door. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. The only one I could think of was from an extinct attraction, and that was if 22,000 leagues started taking on water. 22,000? 20,000. <laughs> I added a few leagues because it would go down further. Yeah. Oh. oh, interesting. Yeah, that is kind of terrifying. Having ridden the submarines at Disneyland, I don't like to think about that. If that thing started taking on water, because that thing's packed with people, there You're would be mass chaos. Yeah. yeah, you dead. You done. Yeah. I think mine's pretty terrifying, and um, I have honestly had this kind of just not subconscious it's been a fear like a a real passing thought every time i ride this attraction since the first time i rode it and that was uh the tower of terror i i always when when the the little the doors open and you're about to enter the fall shaft uh the drop shaft because i know like i knew from the beginning because i was that kind of nine-year-old about disney world i knew that there was this other car or contraption that the traveling car entered into to drop. And I have always just been terrified that that car would not be there. And as the elevator rolls into that door in the pitch black, it just goes face first, plummeting towards the ground. Oh my word. Not to mention, that means the drop shaft is still in use with another elevator, and then it just comes hammering down on top of you. Oh. That's some final destination stuff. I right legitimately, there. I know, but I legitimately wow. have that fear like, oh crap, is this going to be here? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be? Oh, okay, we're good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Final destination, Walt Disney World. I would totally watch that. Yeah. And There's your next movie, Ben. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, gee. 
<laughs> I see. I've only recently started thinking about this kind of stuff. When I was a kid, it was ride anything and everything at the cheap county fair. It didn't matter. And the older I get, I'm like, wait, what if? I mean, this is just like electronical stuff. Electronical. That's not even the word. Um, <laughs> and stuff like that can malfunction and so the older i get the more wary i get stuff like that well what was it like last year at the uh ohio state fair where uh, that ride just like snapped mm, and flew yeah horrible. that stuff yeah. is scary yeah. uh, my answer is this uh, i don't really live my life in fear um uh, and i live <laughs> on the edge but uh one thing that always gives me a little anxiety is on the safaris and the when you go over that little bridge and i know it's like intentionally made to be kind of janky but it still gives you the the, the creeps nonetheless and you're kind of tilted towards the big pit of crocodiles that are down below uh, uh, crocodiles kind of creep me out so i uh, that would freak me out a lot well, for me, the safari is the scariest part is those ostriches, because <laughs> I have seen videos on YouTube where ostriches just attack. And if that ever happened, uh-uh, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> no, my answer is actually Space Mountain. I think we've kind of discussed Space Mountain before, where it's like, how high can you raise your hands exactly before they run into one of the tracks and get very injured? Or, like, I mean, there there are so many cars going at once. What if someone above you drops something and it lands on your track? And then, I don't know, you like you run into it or it derails you. You know, worst case scenario, obviously. <laughs> but it, you can't see anything in there. So who knows what's happening? You know, that that has happened, actually. There's There's been a couple of incidents where somebody from an upper track dropped, I think it was like an 80s video camera. And, oh! uh, <laughs> I was talking like a penny. Yeah, yeah. Like smash somebody's face. Yeah, it it's, it didn't end well. I'll put it that way. You can uh, there's several books about you know all the uh, incidents that have occurred on Disney property. If you really want to feel depressed for a few hours, oof, yikes, lifetime. All right, uh, moving on. Number four, if Disney chose one film from the 21st Century Fox family to incorporate into the Disney parks, which one do you think it should be? And what's the last film you'd like to see incorporated? Matt, what about you? Oh, I get to go. My, um, I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked at, at movies today. And the one I kept fixating on, and I'm sure this will be uh, not well received, but uh, A Night at the Museum Trackless Ride. That would be pretty amazing with the the T-Rex and all the things that happen. I mean, that's like that's like a perfect scenario to have a night at the museum and you're in the security vehicle and you're doing your rounds and everything comes to life and something terrible happens and you got to I mean, it's like Mystic Manor meets Night at the Museum. I think that Yeah, be... so so basically you just want Mystic Manor. Yeah, exactly. But in a museum, like a, a museum of natural history. I think that'd be some amazing visual effects to have, like, the dioramas that are there, and they suddenly come to life, and um, and a wonderful opportunity to make use of animatronics uh, and, you know, hard set stuff that we're always, you know, talking about. The last film I would like to see, and literally reading all of them, I think it's so frightening because I could see Disney trying to do something with this. And that is uh, Drumline. It, it, 
What? It, it, like, before Parade, like, and now, I don't even know what the movie's about. It's just... Uh, <laughs> it's about a drum line. There's, yeah. Yeah. Um, gives it away in the title. Marching whatever from whatever high school they go to, and here here they come being all loud and stuff. Um, <laughs> How old are you? That's old enough to remember drumline so I, okay when you said i can actually see disney doing this the last film i thought you were going to mention is drumline well there's like thousands of films to choose from but i could see them trying to be all relevant instead of like drumline it's so cool and hip wasn't that film out in like 2003 or 2003, something like that you had to watch it in marching band and i just went to sleep that, that's modern for Matt. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Back to A Night at the Museum, I could see your vehicles like going into a room that looks like a museum, and then the lights like flickering, turning off for a half second, and then when they turn back on, everything has moved and is suddenly like coming towards you or something. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. I'd be down. Uh, my answer, um, I have two answers for things I would like to see. First off, uh, I, like Matt, was on the Wikipedia today looking at all the films that were available to us. And uh, a little gem from the early 2000s is a 21st century Fox film. And that is the, uh, it was snubbed at the Oscars starring the great Mariah Carey film <laughs> Glitter. Uh, mm -mm. If we could have like a Mariah Carey stage show somewhere, um, I don't know, Hollywood Studios maybe, at like the Hollywood Bowl uh, theater there, uh, that would be great. Just, you know, somebody singing some Mariah songs. Uh, but my other answer is Moulin Rouge, which is 21st Century Fox. And if the Moulin Rouge, they did like a stage show of that with the songs in the France Pavilion in Epcot, that would be cool. That sounds dreadful. <laughs> uh, so glitter is your answer for films you'd like to see. Well, the, both of those, but I had okay. two. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, in case someone took glitter, I wanted to have a backup <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's that's interesting. I've never seen that, so I, I can't I can't say. Uh, now the films that I, I I've never seen take, it, and I can say. <laughs> how dare you ben uh my answer for the films that i don't want to see and this one like matt i can actually see disney trying to do something with um 21st century fox is all of those modern day alvin and the chipmunks films and oh. i absolutely want them nowhere near my parks this was my answer too because like you i could kind of maybe see disney being like oh this is family friendly and people love the chipmunks and they're like Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, we love him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, but my pick for movies I would like to see, Easy, from Justin to Kelly, the classic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, my pick is pretty obvious. I feel like the X-Men films would fit pretty seamlessly at this point into the parks. Even if, you, even if it's just like meeting Storm and Wolverine or something, I could, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, they're going to have to get the rights back from Universal first, but uh, sure, we'll see. Um, but I, I feel like the the purchase of 21st Century Fox was surely the first step in that goal, I would think. Do you have one you don't want to see? Oh, yeah, it was it was Alvin and the Chipmunks. I mean, oh, oh a, yeah, yeah, you start. Well, a runner up, I guess, would be like the Ice Age movies. I think like DreamWorks and 21st Century Fox were partners on that. And I just don't care for those movies. And there are so many of them. 
<sighs> Actually, there are probably only two or three, but it feels like there are so many of them. I think, no, I think there's like five. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah, we don't need that. And it isn't like Dennis Hopper in one of them. <laughs> Who knows? It's Dennis Leary or something. Rosie O'Donnell. She, what? <laughs> I don't know. No, she, she, she was in she was in Home on the Range. She's already been in a Disney movie. No, Rosie. Ro, you're oh, thinking of Roseanne, Roseanne Barr. Oh, Roseanne. I was like, was she in Home okay, on the Range? They are very opposite. Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell. In... Tarzan. Okay, yes. Yeah. And Flintstones. My uh, my twenty twenty uh, first century Fox movie, um, which they've got to move quick because they've already announced something's going in there, and it should be this instead. The Greatest Showman needs to go into the uh, Cirque du Soleil Theater at Disney Springs. Oh no! No, oh, no, it's a perfect, it's a perfect fit. It's hot never, right now. I haven't seen this yet. It's it's about a circus. That's a circus-looking <laughs> building. <laughs> okay, a, I will give you that. Fit. I will give you that. It it would be a spectacle, that's for sure. Oh, that's what you need there. Are, it's a hard ticket you, spectacle. Derek, are you have you seen this and you don't like it? I did not like this movie. But you like La La Land. I love La La Land. And I like the music in The Greatest Showman. Like if they did a live show of The Greatest Showman, I absolutely would see it. It would be fun. I agree. So why don't you like the idea of putting the live show in Disney Springs? I'm actually confused. No, that's what I'm saying. Like I think I think you're selling me on it. The okay, more I th- okay. the more I think about it. See, no. I didn't like La La Land and really liked this one and didn't care for the music in this one, but still liked it. So I guess we're opposites. I guess so. And I like the music, so I would I would sit through a show of that. I like music. Wow. Uh-huh. You're the only one who's ever said that. Another stakeout. Rosie O'Donnell was in that movie, too. <laughs> I remember the trailer for that movie. Is that going to be our callback for the rest of the day? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> The last film I want to see, and this is one I could actually see them doing, especially in Animal Kingdom, would be uh, the Planet of the Apes series, uh, which I feel would be very depressing and kind of sad. You know, this crossed Kingdom. my mind. This crossed my mind, too. Um, and I could totally see them doing that if, like, you know, one day Pandora dies out or whatever down the road. And it wouldn't be that hard to, like convert and i think it'd be kind of a cool thing especially if you had some walk around you know planet of the apes characters that you could get some pictures with and you just add like half of the statue of liberty on its side in the back of the land it's a photo op i mean (laughs) exactly yeah i was thinking more of the newer war of planet of the apes that yeah but i mean honestly honestly if you did classic planet of the apes it'd be better because you would have like ape town Whereas the war, you've kind of just got, like, people fighting apes. Yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah. Dirty. How many dirty, stinking apes does it... (laughs) As Family Guy. If Family Guy was a movie, uh, that would be number one, but alas. Well, unless they do the Simpsons version of Planet of the Apes, in which case I'm fully on board. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my word. Can you imagine? I hate every ape I see from Shakespeare. Oh, these all sound like horrible ideas. Disney, don't put any 21st Century Fox films in your parks. The thing is, they've done worse, and so is it, everything's on the table. Mm. All right, question number five. What is something you once did in Walt Disney World that 2018 you would hardcore judge you for? <laughs> is the statutes of limitations over on some of these, by the way? Because... Uh... 
Yes, absolutely. All right. I mean, seven years is statute. Is that right? In Florida, at least. It depends on the crime, I'm sure. <laughs> I once set something on fire. No, that's not true. Jeremy, what's yours? Your um, <laughs> my answer is, uh, when I think about uh, my initial couple years in Walt Disney World, uh, I would be disappointed... I am disappointed. <laughs> well, not would be. I am disappointed with my initial enjoyment of the Monsters, Inc. laugh floor. Aww. That's terrific. I thought you were going to say plush toys, but... <laughs> no, I still love those. Uh... <laughs> Wait, the question was not what Matt would hardcore judge you for. <laughs> it's what you... Yeah, exactly. That's what makes this so surprising. Tell no, us back about in, your epiphany. Back in the day... No, I mean, it's just like... Well, I mean, it's. I, I still say it's not a terrible show, but it's definitely like not as good as I remember it to be. Yeah, they could they could mix it up a little more. That's that's my biggest complaint. Not that the individual show isn't okay, but like they could add, swap out the segments. I st- I'm still okay with it. I still support it, but I get the hate. I do support it. It, it. it was just one of those things that back when we first started going, and it was there, and I would be like. You know, oh well, we we, we got to in, in Tomorrowland. We got to do the People Mover, and we got to do Space Mountain, and we got to do Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. Like those and you were like texted the jokes. You texted yes. <laughs> every time, and I I had like a streak going of like you know like six in a row every time I saw it. You know, I was getting a joke in, and now I look and I'm like, wow, I was really enthusiastic about that. <laughs> to quote President Trump, crap hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, mine is fashion related. <laughs> When we went to Chef Mickey's, we were about to go to, I think, Blizzard Beach. And we straight up wore our swimming trunks, which I'm sure families do it all the time. But looking back now, I'm like, I would never go to Chef Mickey's in my swimming trunks and like carry my beach towel and have my my little swimming flip flops on. It wouldn't be so awkward if you didn't it's... insist on wearing your toothpiece. <laughs> This is the reason that the Edison has rules. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I couldn't have just put on like a normal pair of shorts and then changed later. I don't know why I was just dead set on. Hey, it's probably my fault because I did that. And there's no way I'm not wearing my swim trunks to <laughs> Chef Mickey's if I'm going straight to the water park. I mean, it's not like it's Le Cellier or something. but Change in the locker room? That's too much. Too much time. <laughs> mm. Not to mention the foot fungus. Ugh. Yeah, thank you. Don't get foot fungus. Wear your swim trunks to Chef Mickey's. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just look back at those pictures and I'm like, oh, man. There's a lot of fashion choices we made that first trip <laughs> uh, that could be avoided. <laughs> um, I know. I cringe every time Derek posts one of those pictures on, <laughs> on Instagram of a TV. I'm it. like, oh, stop. Hashtag I'm it gets better, kids. White men's <laughs> men socks and my, my little wristwatch. And the cargoes. Yes. Rocking those cargoes. Rocking the cargoes. <laughs> uh, mine is very easy for me. Uh, bringing in a bag lunch and mooching off the toppings bars. Uh, I definitely did this for an entire vacation. Like legit. <laughs> oh. Brought in uh, bag, like sandwiches in a cooler with uh, potato chips. And back in the good old days of Pecos Bill, uh, Cheese, melty cheese, and all kinds of good stuff you could you could get on the bar. So, I, definitely I, did that. Yeah, I, I bring a peanut butter sandwich to the parks pretty often, but I don't mooch off the toppings bars. So I will. It's a little bit I of both. I would like, I would judge myself for both. 
Well, oh, it's one thing to bring in like a peanut butter sandwich, like, well, I, I need a little snack, you know, but I'm still going to get a meal, you know, or, or at least purchase something while I'm in the park. Um, but, you know, I bring in a little snack, you know, keeping your bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, with the sole purchase, purpose of I cannot afford anything to eat in this park. And so I have to bring in <laughs> my igloo was, <laughs> and drag it to the park. That was the problem. That was the problem. <laughs> while I wear my <laughs> swim trunks. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, bless. My uh, thing is from when I was seven, and I realized looking back that I must have wrote, ridden Horizons and have no, like, didn't think it was special at the time. Yeah. So that's the thing I am most disappointed about I myself. Horizons and If You Had Wings, both things I rode, both things I just have absolutely no memory of. Wow. Shame. You, you weren't even a good fanboy at the age of seven. No, I well, I did have my figment plush and my figment hat at that oh. point. So it's not bad. I was getting there. Yeah, yeah. not bad. Nice. All right, number six. Uh, who is the next celebrity you want to see make an appearance, a surprise appearance at an attraction he or she is attached to? This question, of course, is a la Mark Hamill at Star Tours, Johnny Depp at Pirates. You don't say. For, for the listening audience, I'm trying yeah. to. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Easy, easy answer on this for me. Journey into imagination. Eric Idle standing up there at the end singing the song over and over. <laughs> One little spark of like inspiration. Like with, his, with the moon face makeup as he's standing there. <laughs> if he's willing to do it, just put a little platform up there. He waves at every car passing by. I guarantee right? he would do it. This is my nightmare. Like, I've actually had this nightmare, I think. <laughs> he and John Cleese are touring together. Really? Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, my answer is Patrick Warburton. If he was the person, like, asking how many are in your party, or as soon as, like, you enter the big theater, if he's, like, pointing you to your seat wearing the flight attendant thing. Yeah. That would be yes, fun. Derek, it's funny you say that was your the other one was your nightmare. This is my dream, Patrick Warburton asking me to tug on my yellow strap. That. <laughs> Thank you for that. Mine is Harrison Ford at the Indiana Jones stunt show, especially if they um, as they're planning on releasing a new Indiana Jones movie. Uh, I, I don't necessarily want him in it because I'd be afraid for his safety. But <laughs> But if he was just there, like, hey, we got a special guest today, um, not that they would advertise it, so I couldn't, like, make plans to go to that. But that that would be a, a unique uh, experience. I think it would go over well in that setting. He would, first of all, he would never agree to that. But even if he did, it would be kind of fun because he would be so just unimpressed and cantankerous, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like See, Indiana I'm picturing... Jones. I'm picturing like all of a sudden he lands a plane in the middle of the show and they're like, oh, my gosh, it's Harrison Ford. And he like didn't mean to, you know, he just. (laughs) 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 I was trying to go to Epcot, kids. My earring. We're trying to get to the airport. (sighs) Why is he so why is he so cantankerous? He's just a curmudgeon. (laughs) I mean, I thought that was actually a really good impression. (laughs) Get off my plane. All right. 
my answer is uh, actually I did have Patrick Warburton down as my backup answer in case mm. someone took my first answer, uh, which is Judy Dench on Spaceship Earth. Like <laughs> she sat next to me and narrated throughout the whole thing as we were writing. That like would be like a personalized experience. Yes. Like, <laughs> Jeremy, do you remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? <laughs> yes, Judy. I would say, hey, uh, 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 I, I got a copy here of the original script. You'll read that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Can I get Jeremy Irons to ride with me instead then? Because you can, you can have the Judy Dench. Yeah, you can have Judy. Car. Number seven, if Disney turned the tables and made an animated version of one of its live-action films, which movie do you think would work well for that? Okay, I got two answers to this um, that I really could see them doing. First one is a movie that Derek hates but I like, and that is the movie Sky High, which is about a superhero school. Um, and I think that's, you know, the idea of these superheroes, that just works well with animation. Um, because, you know, they can do things that are difficult to do with live action. Even though the live action movie is really good, you should watch it. Um, my second answer is something I'm surprised they haven't done. And that is, uh, remember in the 90s, there was that Tom and Huck movie with Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Uh, yeah, it was amazing. Yes. I'm surprised that they haven't tried to dip into that more of like the the mark twain sort of uh mythology is that a good mark, word for mark it? twain cinematic universe there you go <laughs> yes. Cinematic, yes you know but i think like you have tom sawyer island already and and maybe like an animated tom sawyer film could could reach an audience yeah totally make it a musical Ooh, now you're talking yeah i like that uh my film is super recent so they would never do this but I could see a musical version of The Princess Diaries add another princess to the Disney princesses, but it's like modern day. Because I think all the princesses so far are in a very specific time period in the past. Oh, you have like Giselle yeah. and Tiana. They're kind of modern. Well, Tiana is the 20th century, but Giselle is not technically a Disney princess. Yes. But if you make this animated and the girl is in high school... She finds out she's a princess, turn it into a musical. Where, you know, she has the song like, what? I'm a princess? <laughs> Except it's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> what? My life has changed forever. All that. Well, there is the song in the in Princess Iris too that I really like. The, that one that uh, um, Julie Andrews sings with Raven Simone. Dear little girl, you are terribly blessed. But it's your heart of gold. I love the best. That's for Jeff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is uh, Treasure Island. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think that's the correct answer. Um, because <laughs> that would be a good one. It was the They've first live action. They did Treasure Planet. I mean, I mean, come on. Who even remembers that? Exactly. It did not work. Uh, yeah. Well, that was the first live action. Walt Disney feature film, um, I think it would work really well if they actually did it. You know, don't try to be too creative with it, like Treasure Planet. <laughs> just, you know, keep the story and keep the feel as it is, and and just tell the story in that with that with that medium. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Secondly, I thought Twenty Thousand Leagues, um, that, that could be a legit one. It would be, it, it would feel you couldn't help but feel very Atlantisy, but um, I like those movies. They're both kind of dark. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. My uh, choice would be, it would really change the story of the movie, but I don't think that would be a bad thing. And I would do that darn cat, but from the perspective of the cat. Oh. Oh, in those the, darn in the people. Movie, well, yeah, yeah, you could do that. Because in the movie, they're trying to follow around the cat. Like, the whole FBI team is trying to follow around the cat and guess where he's going. And he gets away sometimes. But in this movie, he's trying to get away from the people. And he's trying to do his own thing. And there's a whole other plot that the the story of that darn cat is just the background to. And he's got some cat friends. And they, they talk to each other. It's cat, like a little can... uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern action. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. What is that? Do these cats like sing jazz? They might. Because I have might. a movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask what is that? You didn't have to watch that in school or like read the play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? No. They're, they're two very, very side characters in Hamlet. Who I mean, they appear very briefly. So I think it's Tom Stoppard. He wrote a play. Tom Stoppard? Yeah, it is. It is Tom Stoppard. And he wrote a play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead, which is just a, 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 a an hour and a half of postmodern nonsense built around these two uh, these two characters. And in the background, the story of Hamlet is going on, but that's not the big deal. It's these two characters. Oh. It's a it's a fun little thing. It's it's like Lion King one and a half. Ah, now you're talking my language. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like it. All right, number eight. What's another great moment in history, American history, that you would like to see the Muppets present? All right, Ben, get us started. I I didn't have a great answer for this, but uh, my my only answer is because we have two things from the founding. I'd like something a little more contemporary, and that would be uh, the Watergate uh, the Watergate scandal. Whoa. That'd be great. <laughs> right above the Hall of Presidents. Yes, I want Fozzie Bear as Nixon. I want uh, Kermit and Gonzo as Woodward and Bernstein. <laughs> that's that's the story I want to see in the park. Oh, man. That's great. Is this for real? That's your real answer? No, I, it's it's the only answer I have, but, you know. <laughs> the, an the question is not what will Disney actually do. It's what would you like to see? Okay, yeah, then, yeah so, that's my answer. I want to see the Watergate, uh, the Watergate proceedings. Uh, my answer so. is the the JFK assassination, because you have, because you have the open windows for crying out loud. Oh yes. my gosh, you have the sniper. Yes, Sam yeah. the Eagle. Yes, Sam the Eagle. Uh, no, I'm just picking. I mean, that is a, that would be hilarious and uh, very irreverent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yours is much darker than mine. Mine's <laughs> yeah. a break in at a hotel. The, how about the Wright brothers? First flight. Oh uh, yeah. Just telling telling the story and and a airplane taking off out a window. That there you go. Yeah, they'll have to do like the Water World where I live. They launch an airplane somewhere. Yeah, like the Water World show at Universal. There's a, a little drone Muppet plane that that flies away to some some place where they you know obviously collect it again. Or it'd be really funny if there was like a string that that connected oh, yeah. up to Sam the Eagle <laughs> and they like go. pulled on like a little pulley that kind of slowly <laughs> sent it up there. There you go. That's Muppet humor right there. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh I think I would like to see one of the many American inventions be portrayed 
So, I mean, yeah, you could do like Benjamin Franklin and the lightning rod, but you could also do like the invention of the potato chip. An American invented the potato chip when someone at his restaurant did not like how thick his fries were. And so he kind of got back at them. And Miss Piggy could be the guest, you know, who the diner who's complaining. And I don't know, just just one of those old inventions that America Americans did. What did you just say about Ben Franklin and the lightning rod? He invented the lightning rod. I think no. that's true. That is true. And bifocals. I think he just stuck a metal rod into the air and discovered electricity through lightning. It wasn't a... I guess you could call it a lightning no, rod. No, he did. Yeah, he did. And and then people were used lightning rods later on to like keep lightning in one place. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you don't want your lightning <laughs> everywhere. Um, keep your. You know what? Yourself. Walt Disney World wouldn't be built if there wasn't lightning rods. So you know. Yeah, actually, I kind of like that story better because you could have like Gonzo being electrocuted. <laughs> you know. Huh. That no, that's a great. You know what? I looked it up on Wikipedia. The lightning rod was indeed invented by Ben Franklin. Maybe, probably. How about yeah. that? I thought that was just a... Wikipedia always comes with a maybe, probably. He patented it. Let's put it that way. All right. Uh, my great moment in American history is... Uh, I want to tell the story. It's from 1999. The story of how Susan Lucci won her first Emmy after 19 <laughs> nominations. Because that is a struggle, and it inspires the masses. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> What masses? I mean, me and those who identify First of all, with it's an the... Emmy. Second, <laughs> old single women everywhere identify. With... Uh, my other answer is the moon landing. You could tell. Oh, there the... you go. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that that's is that's good. good. But, but yeah. Susan Lucci first. Right. <laughs> Watch Susan Lucci win an Emmy and now enjoy our Hall of Presidents show down below. Yes. <laughs> It's a perfect segue. That's the new name of the show at, at that time, too, down below. The Clinton years. <laughs> oh! Mm-hmm. You know, we've got enough people yelling at the Hall of Presidents at this point. <laughs> uh, if, if you could get an exclusive behind-the-scenes tour of any one area of your choosing, where would it be? I'll go first, because my answer apparently already exists, so... I thought it would be really cool to see the roundhouses where the railroad is parked every night because they're on the ground floor and then above them are the monorails. And apparently there's a tour called Magic Behind Our Steam, the Magic Behind Our Steam Trains. The other thing you can do is just drive north on World Drive, past <laughs> yes. the Contemporary. I do this like, every once in a while. There, yeah, they're there on the right. <laughs> okay, that's true. Uh, but I guess my answer would be combine the tour that already goes on every day of the steam trains because apparently you get there in the morning you see how they um like get started every morning they give you fun facts about the train you get to ride it you get to take pictures with it and then you go into the park and learn learn more there but if they combined the monorail as well and you got both of them in the same tour i'm just always fascinated by that kind of stuff i i it may ruin the magic a little bit for me but i feel like it it wouldn't because steam trains are cool it's just some guy back there named Bubba. He's like, "Well, this is the this is the this is the broom I use to sweep out the vomit, and uh, this is <laughs> this is the stuff we sprinkle on the vomit before I sweep it up." And Derek's like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the door that opened and created mass hysteria online." Uh, my answer for this, I'm gonna jump in because I 
think maybe somebody else might have it. I really want to see the Cinderella castle suite, but not only do I want to hmm. see the actual suite, like I want to see all the like behind the scenes too. I want to know everything that's up there. Like, like let me just open doors and check things out. I want to see where, you know, like the closets and the janitor stuff. And you know, I want to see everything in that castle. Show me your castle. <laughs> and then at the end, you get to go up to the top turret and zip line down Tinkerbell's. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to see in that yet. Yeah, maybe not zipline because that's a little, that's, that gives my anxiety <laughs> like the crocodiles, but um, I definitely want to walk up and like, is it a ladder? Is it like stairs? Is it, I mean, what's up there? Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. My answer is also already on a tour. I just haven't had the opportunity to do it yet because I think it's an eight hour long one. And I want to see behind the scenes of the American Adventure. Oh, oh yeah. yes, I did this. So you did. Okay, is it is it worth the eight hours? Is it is it? They still call it the backstage magic tour. I think so. I think it might be. Yeah, that was probably the most interesting part. Even more interesting than the Utilidors, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see the Utilidors on the shorter Magic Kingdom. Yeah, tour, yeah, yeah. I have I've done that one. You know, I think it is worth it. It's like a turntable, right? It's like a big, ginormous Ferris wheel. Yeah. That's cool. With an elevator. <laughs> it's, it's it's amazing to think about the invention of that thing. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Uh, mine is um, Pirates of the Caribbean. And <laughs> <laughs> seriously, we were we were in line for this uh, well, two weeks ago-ish. And we were just about to uh, turn left to go down to the place where you board the boats. And it had been broken down, like there was some technical difficulties. And that thing happened where everything just shuts down. The music stops, the noise stops, the water stops, mm-hmm. uh, the lights all come on bright. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me, because I would pay money just to be in the attraction with the lights on. I think it'd be just the coolest thing to see how it kind of fits in the building, to be able to get out and explore some of the facades, to learn how the water system works. I mean, something as stupid as just staying on the boat while it goes from the um, unloading to the loading zone, if that's even possible, unless there's like rods and stuff that sweep down and do stuff that would decapitate you or something. Um, I, I know think... you can do that for Mansion because that's the that's the handicap. We went with my grandmother, yeah, and and they loaded us in Mansion uh, uh, unload. Th- that, that's a very close second, uh, and only the only reason Pirates pulled pulled it out for me is because of the. Um, just the the inner workings of a water ride and uh, that whole room with the lights on and it's just it's a big warehouse filled with water and and sets i think that's that's cool yeah i mean i can't argue with that I, i'm not surprised that's your answer but i would do that in a heartbeat yeah, yeah definitely yeah. yeah and the final question for this mad q party is what is one thing at Walt Disney World you wish you could experience for the very first time again, and why? I'll go first. It, it's just my favorite attraction there, and I would love to see it again with, with absolutely fresh eyes would be the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Just knowing that it, it's that kind of storytelling that, you you know, if you don't know what's going to happen next, I really would love to, to see that again. Yeah, it's hard for me because the Haunted Mansion also is one of those attractions where every time I ride it, I notice details I didn't oh, notice yeah. before. So, yeah, that's tough. 
Um, my answer is also my favorite attraction at Walt Disney World. And the reason I want to see it again is, like, I kind of have to tell myself it's my favorite attraction. And now the more <laughs> I go, I'm like, wait, is it? Because I've just seen it so many times that it's kind of lost its magic. And that's Fantasmic. The first time I saw Fantasmic, I was just blown away by the combination of live actors and stunts and water screens and the fantastic music. Everything just came together in the perfect way. And I still really enjoy it when I go, but there are moments where I'm like, wow, this this part's really boring. Or why'd they go with Pocahontas when Peter Pan was in Disneyland? You know, like little things like that. But then I'm reminded by other people who see it for the first time and come back and tell me, oh my goodness, Fantastic was amazing. So I, I guess I could just, w I wish I could have that beginner's perspective one more time. Yeah. You're just j j j jaded. I guess. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It's I, it's still a great show. I just I rarely take the time to see it. You know. You know. Sometimes we just need to take the time to remember how special those. The Bible says. No, <laughs> number ten uh, for me is. I have two answers. I have one that's just a ride, and that is Expedition Everest, because obviously the first time I wrote it, the Yeti was working. But it was also like the first time, like. So you want to erase that memory? Is that what yeah. you're saying? No, I want to experience again for the first time with the Yeti working. Ah. Uh, and have that that the awe-inspiring, uh, that ride, the rock and roller coaster was like 1998ish or seven, seven or eight, and so there was already like a high-speed roller coaster type ride, but not on this scale, and that was like to me, other than the Tower of Terror, that was like man this is disney at its best this huge thing and uh, i i loved it um but a more sentimental answer to, to round out my answers is just the the ferry boat ride to the magic kingdom oh yeah i mean Aww. when i go with people who have never you know haven't been in a long time or maybe they they don't remember that much about it or just new newcomers that is always like the you know, after you've tra traveled so long to get there and then parked and then you got to get on the boat to get there. It is an awe-inspiring kind of journey over to the Magic Kingdom. I want to change my answer now. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, my answer is uh, I would like to go back in time and experience wishes for the first time because I really feel like that's when I sealed the deal as far as selling my soul to the Disney fandom. <laughs> um, you know, you just something magical about yeah. the first time that you're standing on Main Street and you see the fireworks and the music and everything over Cinderella Castle. It's just, uh, it just takes your breath away. I can still picture exactly where we stood. I can still feel it. I can still remember exactly how I felt. I can remember turning around looking at you guys like, holy crap, like I thought I'd seen fireworks before, but dang. See, I had that a similar experience. I think it was the first or second night they did Happily Ever After. I happened to be at the park with someone who had not been in her living memory. Like she went once when she was a little kid, but like, and she, we were just saying fire, new fireworks show, new fireworks show. We had met up with a couple of people there who were geeking out about the Happily Ever After, and for her, expecting a fireworks show and getting Happily Ever After was just incredible. Yeah, and we were nitpicking, you know, as fans who had seen all this. Like, well, the projections here could have been a little crisper, and she was like, "What, what are you talking? I was expecting some fireworks." Yeah. <laughs> it's mind blowing and heartwarming all at the same time. Yeah. Well, cool. Good answers. I think that does it for our Mad Q party. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. 
no problem. Anytime. Well, good. Do you want to give our listeners, do you want to remind them where they can find you online? Uh, you can follow Walt's Frozen Head on twitter.com slash Walt's Frozen, no Owen Frozen Head. Uh, and you can follow uh, movie news on facebook.com slash Walt's Frozen Head. Awesome. And when the movie is released, we'll have to have you back on and talk about all the exciting things that are going on there. That would be fantastic. All right. Well, thanks again. Well, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode. And thanks to Ben for joining us on this week's Mad Q Party. Listeners, go check him out. Walt's Frozen Head minus the O on Twitter. Lots of fun stuff always over there. Uh, you can go find us online as well at Mad Chatters on Instagram and Twitter. You can go follow us on Facebook or send your emails to comments at madchatters.net. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. I'm not in the book. But first... We're going to take a peek behind the magic. I think the intro for that should be like a woman's voice that says, you kids get out of here when I have my magic out. (laughs) 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 I don't know why. I just picture that like behind the magic. It's like, oh, can you see anything? Get out of here, you nosy little pervert. (laughs) Yes, yes. All right, number six. Uh, who is the next celebrity you want to see make a surprise? <clears throat> ah, ah. Who is the next celebrity you want to see making a? I cannot read. Making a. Making a. appearance. Uh, <clears throat> Auditioning the... for a job at Pizza Point over there. <laughs> I think we should have all the presidents rated like American Idol. There's, you know, a voting button as they call off each one. There you go. <laughs> oh, my word. George Washington, 99% approved. Yeah, I like and this. And you go down. Like, Taft, 35% approved. People randomly cheer for Taft from time to time. I find that amusing. Yeah, there should also be a button that says who? Because yeah, <laughs> three or four presidents <laughs> are like that for me. Once again, now that we have the uh, Simpsons as the Disney property, they can sing the mediocre president song. Yeah. From uh, that one episode. We got a Simpsons fan on the show today. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I feel educated. Didn't know there weren't Simpsons references. We are a Broadway show. That's true. (laughs) Those are mutually exclusive. Broadway and Simpsons.